Hello and welcome to Midweek Matinee, your weekly movie podcast brought to you by three men. Maybe. <laughs> like seamen and not like the ones on the boats. <laughs> anyway, this week we are getting together to discuss the 2014 movie Frank uh, with the, as you may not have known it unless you've watched plenty of the movie, Michael Fassbender, which was... A little bit of a surprise to see this role for him. Uh, I think that this is the first time all of us had seen it. So yes. I'm going to go ahead and get started here by introducing my man, Blake, and seeing, Blake, what did you think of this movie, good sir? Hello. I did not love the movie. I didn't hate the movie, but it just never clicked with me. I never got super invested in any like characters or any plot points or anything. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had that feeling from your very, I'm not going to spoil it, but <laughs> we're going <laughs> to talk about Frank. <laughs> so with that in mind, let's move over to Chris, our resident editor, and see. What up? Chris, your first time seeing it as well. Yeah, it was. How have you been, and what did you think of the movie? I've been fine. How have you been? I've I've existed. You know how weird it was actually huh. not doing this for a week and then having to be sent it to edit in the names. <laughs> it was it was an odd experience. It's I don't know if it was as weird as you feel when you're not part of something and then it gets sent to you for you to edit it. It was when I did the um, cuz I edited the the funny people episode with Whitney and it was just like listening to another yeah. an episode of a podcast. I was like, "Oh, this this is a great podcast. These guys are really good. People should support them on Patreon for at least a dollar a month. <laughs> for early access. Like they can get for this. That would episode. be a really good idea. No, but it was no, it was funny. It's just like it was like listening to another episode of a podcast and I was like, Oh, I have to take that pause out or you know, something like that. <laughs> Sure. I guess what was weird for me is it was like listening to an episode of a podcast, and then it, it felt like if I was a fan, listened to a podcast I liked, downloaded it, and then decided to talk alongside it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I could see that. I mean, clearly I didn't, because I was just saying names at the end, but it just felt weird to it been, suddenly be like, oh yeah, I'm part of this podcast too, boys, yeah. what's up? <laughs> it would have been so, very funny. I hope if, you guys enjoyed your time without me. Yeah. Uh, but Chris, what do you think of the movie, buddy? I, I I'm very conflicted on this movie because I think it's a either I and I'll guess we'll figure out what I decide at the end. But it is either a one star movie or a five star movie, and I'm not sure which one yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of it. That's a there's a lot of it I really like, and then there's like the entire back half which didn't make sense to me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay you mean like the the latter half yes. of the movie brett how did you like it uh well i'm the one who chose this movie yes, um, primarily because i have heard about it a couple years back and then forgot about it and then whenever i was kind of looking and you had hit me up saying you know what movie do you want to watch so i can put it into this episode i said okay let me think for a minute um and i kind of went to this list i have it's not very big and I almost, what was funny is I saw it and I said, what the hell is Frank? And I had to Google it. And then I was like, oh yeah, this movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I can understand while watching it, I was both invested in it, 
but I didn't feel the need to constantly keep my eyes on it like I do on mm-hmm. some films that I get invested in. I guess it was a different kind of investment. Sure. And I really enjoyed it. Even the latter half, I mean, I kind of understood, at least in my opinion, what the latter half was trying to go through and, and talk about. Um, definitely from a from a story structure narrative. I mean, it's just trying to push these people out of a zone and so that you can see these characters do something different. Um, and then have that resolution that the movie finally offers at the end, which I think it does a really good job of bringing itself back together um, as it should have. And then kind of closing out on that regard. So I enjoyed it. But at the same time going into it you know it's a movie that whenever i googled it again and saw it i saw a lot of people being like oh this is a really underrated great movie with great performances and then i kind of looked at the cast and i was like oh yeah i don't recognize these people's names immediately but i recognize their faces and they are great actors so i was like let's see to see what happens so i enjoyed it um one of the things that I was curious about if it was going to hit you guys or how it was going to affect the way that I viewed the movie versus how you viewed the movie is that this whole story is wrapped up in musicians and a band trying to come together or really one musician trying to come into a band and leave his mark. And with you guys not really being musicians, I don't know if the movies was as immediately interesting to you guys. I think it should have been because I think the movie does a good job of trying to set itself up. But I was kind of just curious to see where you guys landed on that because the movie is technically, I think when I Googled it, it shows itself to be a musical dark comedy, which is not what I would say. I can see dark comedy. Yeah, I don't see a musical at all. Dark comedy for sure. But yeah, that's what I found so weird that they would even put it under that category because it's not like the song, it's not like the movie tells you story and exposition through song. Right. It just has songs so, in it, which is like knows, every movie ever with, made. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you could I mean the argument is that the the songs are important to the movie, but they're not integral to the storytelling necessarily. Right. At least not in the way that a musical would typically present them. So, with that being said, I mean, you know, I I'm curious did I find the did I find it more intriguing and more interesting? because of me being a music um, a musician than you guys did or what that felt like to you did you feel disconnected from it or did you feel fine i mean i'll start with you chris as someone who's not a musician i don't think it hit me in a musician sense but i think as a creative person like i got the idea they were going for so i i mean i connected with the movie for sure good yeah okay same question to you uh blake because i don't i don't want to say this in a way that seems mean but i don't know that i do you consider yourself to be a creator, like someone who exerts their creative energy and coming up with something outside of the, I mean, I guess this podcast is still you exerting your creative energy. So I guess you could say that you have that here, but outside of this, do you consider yourself to be much of a creative person? Yeah. I mean, I love Minecraft, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, um, I feel like I'm creative, but I just feel like I don't have the talent to actually create anything. And maybe that's like a mental issue that I should probably get over or something now that you mention it. (laughs) But no, like I don't think that, me not being into music at all oh i'm into music but like being a musician like hindered me from like really enjoying the movie um one recent one that i fell in love with was sound of metal and that's all about a musician losing his hearing and like i can relate to losing your hearing yeah that's yeah with with the the drummer drummer, correct it's like i can relate on some level because i would hate to lose my hearing 
but also like can't relate in the sense that like my livelihood is based on me hearing you know Sure. And I think Chris actually got to the heart of what I was really asking, which is realistically when I'm even though I'm the movie's viewing it through the lens of being a musician, it's ultimately about being a creator and kind of the sacrifices and choices that you make as a creator to try and get yourself out there. And that's what you have a group of people who are all doing that and have one person come in with a very different take on what they want to do. And uh, I think where I want to go next with this, because I think it's a big part of what the latter half of the movie is really about is, you know, we see the first half of the movie where we see the setup of our main character, John, who is constantly blogging and tweeting and doing all these things, despite the fact that he really doesn't have a following. And throughout the movie, we keep seeing him do updates and updates and updates. So clearly for him, it's all about who is going to see this side of him. He wants to create for the fame side of things. And it's not that he doesn't want to do it because he wants to actually write, but he's so caught up in the fame part of it that the difference between the band as we meet them and him is that the band is just in it to create something that moves them and then hope that it just happens to move someone else, which I think is the ideal situation for any artist. You should create art because you want to, and because it does something to you and then you hope that you can share that with someone else and it does something for them. But you see the band doing this and then you see him coming in and trying to push the band and doing these updates and kind of blogging and trying to get them popular. And then once he realizes that the band's music is not about or the band's popularity is not about their music, but rather how crazy they all are. And that's where all the people who are even watching are coming from. He starts to try and shift the band. So when you look at that, you know, this movie's a lot about how art and fame are so not completely inextricably tied, but they're so tied in such a way in modern media and in modern culture that you can easily get lost in it and so that's a big part of what the story is really about um do you guys find that you kind of agree with that assertment or or do you even agree that that's what the movie is kind of touching on and uh what with that in mind what do you actually think about the way that art and fame come together to affect your you know the art that you partake in either positively or negatively i'm gonna start with you this yeah i mean I think that, you know, the fame and especially with him posting constantly to YouTube and Twitter and stuff was a big part of it and a big part of why he kept trying to change everybody, especially in the latter half of the movie. And I do think that, you know, it's very apt even, what is this movie, six years old, four years old? I think it's... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 2014. So I guess we're coming up on seven. Yeah. I think it's even more like appropriate now. Yeah. You know, with how much more that kind of stuff has grown definitely social media specifically yeah absolutely okay uh chris you uh i guess same question to you i mean do you as a creator find that the fame aspect of the creating the creative process is more drawing to you or do you find that the reward of making the art itself is more important to you and then what do you think about how the movie talks about that aspect well, I guess that's a difficult question for me to answer, right? Because I, the stories that I like to write are stuff that I want to hear about, you know? So sure. for me, it's, there's always a reward in the story of just like, oh, I like telling the story. But I think it would be naive and a little bit dishonest of almost anyone 
who's creative, who's not like, I'm in it for some kind of recognition. There's sure. obviously people who write and just write for themselves, and there's people who do art and just do art for themselves, but I think, especially in a time where all you have to do is take a picture on your phone and put it on Twitter, and you can have some kind of reach with your art, I think everyone is kind of looking for that little bit of fame. They're 15 minutes, you know? Well, and I, I'm not going to argue. I think to some degree you are correct, but I think it could be a little more nuanced than that, right? I think you see this to a degree with the titular Frank in this movie. We see that he clearly is musically capable, regardless of whether you find what he does with his music interesting or not. He has an eye for it, and he has an ear for it, and he can come up with pretty interesting stuff on the fly. And he and clearly enjoys himself in doing it. And he puts a lot of into like, you know, wanting everyone who's part of this project to push themselves. And in the heart of all that, as we see John continuously kind of coming up to him and prodding him and saying like, you know, hey, listen, this is how many people are following us. And this is how many people he perceives to be enjoying what we're doing. And even though they're viewing it from the wrong thing, we suddenly see Frank kind of pivot. So it's like we were seeing him create for the aspect of creating for himself, but then it felt good to him in the moment to see that, Oh, what we've been creating for ourselves, at least as I'm being told is being really picked up online and people are vibing with it as far as he can tell. And that changes something in him. And I guess that's a big way to talk about creation, right? Is that you do create for yourself, but once you start to put it out there, (coughs) you do have that thing where when someone responds to it, you have that like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if people respond to it in a great way? And I guess that's what it is like for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, being able to do it full time is cool, but at the same time, you really just want to know that you've touched as many people with something you've made as possible. Right. Yeah. It's like, there's this, um, subreddit I follow and it's, I think it's, um, when they realize they've made it or something like that, which is just exactly that. It's like artists who the first time they hear people in a coffee shop sing their song, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. so no i mean i understand that completely yeah and I, I just think that's you know i guess even then it's coming down to what is fame is fame the money and the perception of power that comes with it or is it just the lasting legacy that comes with someone taking something you did and then perpetuating it past yourself you know someone who sings your song in a coffee shop to where other people can hear it and they're thinking about it and you know those are both tied to fame but they're very different sides of fame. Well, I think, I mean, even, even let's use this for an example. I'm sure, I li- I'm sure anyone who's listening to this realizes that we're not this like true crime garage or last pot, like a Joe Rogan kind of thing. But sure. there's still a dedicated amount of people, even if it's five, ten, twenty, or a hundred people, you're still famous to someone in that sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Like my yeah. dad knows you guys. My dad listens to the show and he's like he talks about you guys in the same way that like when i was younger i would talk about like moriarty or people like that who i followed and felt like i knew so that's kind of the same the same thing where people just you we're famous to to 10 people you know sure that's the kind of that's it just depends on how big you want to go with it and i think that was a big thing there yeah, and I think a big thing that, you know, art does and like you're talking about with your dad and even this movie kind of touches on with its scenes of like at least 
you build up a version of what people are like based off of how you experience them. Right. And so this movie touches on that with all the, um, what was the, what was the safe word? I can't think chinchilla. of it. Now. Chinchilla. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, you see people kind of liking these people for how crazy they were and this built up image of who they are. And that's true of your dad as well. And I love to hear that because that's exactly what it is. You know, when you listen to people day in and day out and often enough, you get to a point where you feel like whether it's true or not, you have a perception of who they are and you're right. They are famous to you. And in that moment, it's, you know, and that's the big thing. And I don't mean to talk about another podcast, but you get that moment where like, I've, we've talked about it before. I've listened to Colin for, what 10 15 years i don't know and so i feel like i know him and then that's i think one of those things where with social media makes it super weird is like every once in a while i tweet at him and he'll respond so then you have that little bit of like oh he does know you know that kind of thing and that's kind of the whole thing with all this is like you said you're famous to some people and to some people you're you're like almost a brother in a lot of ways and and to other to them you know you know what i'm trying to say i'm being very uh, weird about that but (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i get i get the heart of what you're saying yeah so but it, as a creator it was just more something that while i was watching the movie i was very much thinking of i wonder what chris feels about these like certain things of this or just it even put questions in my head that weren't necessarily part of the movie but just more of chris as a creative person i wonder how he feels about this aspect of being creative or this aspect of putting yourself out there well, do you have a specific essentially advertising well some of them i've already asked but i mean it, a lot of it does come down to you know how do you feel about once you get to a point right when you're ready to put your book out there uh, in a complete fashion let's just say that that's that day has come yeah there's always that aspect of like how do you market yourself and how do you market yourself in a way that feels true to yourself and how do you feel about marketing because i'll tell you one of the things with me right now doing this band thing is you know i've got to get myself out in front of people so that they can hear the music and you think well how do i do that you know do i just get on social media and start talking to people and interacting with people because you're there's that perception that you're breaking into someone else's life for a second and butting your head in just because you respond to them even though they don't know you on something like Twitter. But that's kind of the point of Twitter. But then you also have that side of like, well, I could advertise myself literally and pay someone to put out a version of who I am, but who am I in a way that would be easily digestible Mm -hmm. for people to see in a 30-minute segment? Like, How do you feel about that aspect of once it's out there, how do you actually get it in front of people and what do you got to do and who do you have to be to get it in front of someone? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a hard question. Um, I think for me it's just a matter of I, I believe that if people like the work that they'll come right you know if, if to a degree yeah if someone yeah. and I think it depends on for all all different things right like we do it all the time in our in our in our private discord where Blake will like a, a YouTube video that I've never seen and he sends it to me and it's, it's that kind of stuff I think that's that natural um proliferation of media which is why i've always had this idea of doing like a one chapter on a tumblr blog of a, of a story and just putting it out on social media i think that would be fun because yeah. to me a lot of the, the reasons i do stuff and i know it sounds weird but like the reason i write is because i like to hear what people think about it you know sure that's why i sent you yeah. guys my stuff early all that kind of stuff because i want that little bit of like hey this is good or hey this is not good i'm very much like while i write the story for myself i also have 20 minute conversations with one of my buddies at work about 
does this does this uh, does a tunnel system or a portal make more sense and then i'll change my story <laughs> for to to what what he we ended up talking about and it's for the better yeah. so yeah true the the critiquing of your work and because anytime you do something you know you like to know whether or not you, it's so easy to feel like you can fool yourself into yeah. thinking you've done well even if you haven't so it is nice even well, though it can sometimes be a little crushing to get it out there in front of someone and be like hey just what do you think like you know yeah and, and you just gotta hope they're gonna be honest with what they think right you need people to say it's bad but i think that can also be a negative right because let's talk look at fucking uh look at star wars right like everybody got mad about last jedi and then rise of skywalker was worse because disney heard all the angry people and just spent that entire movie retconning the last one so you can that influence can also be for for the negative sure yeah absolutely it can uh, that's why sometimes it's better to just put out an entire project as it should be and then take the feedback yeah. for future projects. Or you get, it's definitely a thing. It's that, and then, or you get stuff like Sonic where he doesn't look like a, <laughs> a nuke fell and we're in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I still occasionally have nightmares of what Sonic looked like in the first trailer. I kind of would like to see a original Sonic cut, <laughs> release the Sonic cut. I wish they put it on like... <laughs> On the Blu-ray, just as an yeah, extra feature. If we, <laughs> if we can get the original Sonic cut and the Cat's Butthole edition, I will be happy. The Butthole cut <laughs> and the Sonic cut. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we can get it. Oh, God, I don't even want to imagine having to watch Cats. But going back towards the way this movie kind of looks, hmm. uh, looks at it. You know what's so weird is like this movie talks about how all the fame and creation stuff goes in the online. And you know, it touches on a big thing that's kind of unfortunate when you create and you put your stuff up other online is that we have such a tendency as humans to like something and enjoy it and then not necessarily verbalize that in the best ways. And we have such a bigger tendency, it seems, to just be like, oh, that was terrible. So I'm going to let them know it was terrible. But if you enjoyed it and you had some fun about it, you don't always say why. And as yeah. we kind of watch the the movie and we see John and Frank, and really those are the two that it seems to matter to, as we see it kind of wash over them that people didn't like them because of their music, but just because of how crazy they are, it starts to really change the way they're thinking about the moment in hand. And it seems like it all comes from the fact that despite the fact that people were watching them on YouTube and he was putting these blogs out, it's like no one was ever responding to him or at least responding into a, in a way that was critiquing what they were doing. So you get this false equivalency of what people are actually liking and then it just gets blown away and i think that's the crux of the second half of this movie like you know we can talk about the first half of this movie everything that builds up to this moment but the second half of the movie i want to come back to you chris because you were talking about feeling like the latter half of the movie wasn't sensical to you so i mean what was it that you felt was out of place my my biggest problem was just everyone getting pissed at john <laughs> like i didn't <laughs> understand it like even as you're talking about oh they changed all this stuff i'm like he didn't he didn't do anything wrong you know in fact he well, what do you mean by he didn't do anything wrong in terms of pushing the band to change their sound you don't think that was wrong in the context of what they were what the majority in the situation yeah, I but guess, I, wanted i never saw him as trying to change the band's sound i saw him as trying to get involved with the band there was never that's the thing there was never a situation where i found him any less than what i think any person picked off the street and put into a band would think of is 
we want to advance and be better and that's what he was doing with promoting the the band and then he paid probably a very significant amount of money to stay at that place for a year for them to not make music basically you know and then at the end of the movie everyone that he basically supported was like you're a piece of shit and i hate you i didn't get it it didn't make any sense to me so i i mean i can kind of see where you're coming at there i think blake before i go any further i want to get your take on the way that you felt about the end of the movie i mean the the let's just go ahead and really you can say latter half but at really some points what do you feel about the third act of the movie because that's where everything really happens so what's your take on it i mean i kind of agree with what chris has said so far it's not that it's necessarily like bad or anything it just didn't i don't know it just kind of fell apart for me when everyone like everyone disliked him the whole time right but it just felt like it got more and more intense as time went on and for like no real good reason mm-hmm. i will say though the last scene of the movie was fantastic hmm. yeah see i think the last scene of the movie is kind of like i don't want to it, it really does take on how you perceive the moment at hand but for me it felt like it's them being like we forgive you and him being like you know i really i never really was meant to be in here he was just trying to run with an opportunity which is i think to chris's point it's not wrong to come into a band you know part of coming into any creative process is leaving your mark on that creative process and i don't think it's unfair of him to want to inject some of his sound into this music and i don't think it's unfair of him to feel rejected by the band as he continues to try and push to have some of his sound make its way into this album and then you know we see him get more and more annoyed as he kind of does these updates and he says you know not a single composition i've made are they using on this album uh but i think there's also this thing where you can see in the movie kind of tries to paint this vision of everything he was doing was just in this view of trying to get somewhere where he could be seen and no and, and noticed and we see that continue to build as every time he posts updates you see his follower count grow and grow and grow and i guess for me the scene that comes to mind in terms of the difference between the band and him is when he's sitting there with frank and he's talking about the fact that he can't quite write something that he feels like sticks and then you see Frank kind of just effortlessly just suddenly notice something and make a pretty catchy song right off the top of his head. And you see the wow factor that comes over John as it's like, I wish I could do that. And he talks to um, Don as well and saying like, you know, I want to be able to do this. I just don't feel like I quite have it and nothing's ever clicked. And I think the movie's kind of trying to paint a view where it's like, as much as he wants to be a musician, he wants to be famous to such a degree that he just wants to write to what he thinks people want to hear rather than wanting to write to do it for the sake of the art. And that's what makes them big difference. So when I think about the band, not liking him, you know, I think the movie starts to kind of paint this version where it's almost like a subtone, like a subtext, I guess. No one has to say it as much as it's just felt that they realize that he's just different than them and he's in it for a different reason. And he's not that he's wrong for it, but he starts to push the band. And we also know they're all crazy, right? So if you put crazy people and then you are suddenly like, oh, 
why are these crazy people even acting even more crazy about this man? I guess it just didn't feel that weird to me within the scope of the story that they were telling with these characters. And it felt like to me, those characters were fitting the role they always had throughout that. I, I guess that's why it didn't feel like a disconnect for me. And like Blake said, the ending scene is really powerful because it feels like him realizing that that was never really his place. Like I mentioned, and it was better for him to kind of, he even looks happy about it. Like he realizes it wasn't his place and he's going to go off and do his own thing. But to Chris's point, he spent a lot of money to try and insert himself into this project. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is when he's just sitting there with a the long beard and he's like, I gave them my fucking nest egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's the thing that we haven't really gotten into yet is kind of the characters, right? I mean, we've talked about the fact that they're characters in the word, you know, in the sense of the word that people use where they're people who are just very interesting, regardless of whether you like or dislike the way they are. Uh, and this movie's chock full of them. So I think we can talk clearly about Frank and then there's Don who is our, uh, I, I, I was trying to figure this whole time out. What does Don do in the band? <laughs> I guess I was like the and manager never, or something. It never quite struck me as to what he did in the band. So I assume he was some form of a manager, even though we learned that he was at one point the keyboardist. Yeah. Uh, we have Clara, who's the antagonistic theremin slash, can't think of the actual <laughs> title, a synthesizer player. And then we have what I think her name was Nana or Nana, the drummer, and then Barack or something like that for the bassist. Uh, the ones that we see the most out of within the film uh, of outside of John, the three that really interact with him the most are Frank, Don and Clara. So Chris, yes. Did you not like these characters in not in the sense they were badly written characters, but just, did you not like them as people? And do you think that paints part of the way you viewed the, the way that the movie ended or what did you feel about it? I mean, you can start with any no. character you want. Well, to, the thing but. is I didn't have a problem with the way the movie ended. What I had a problem with was the movie spending so much time almost trying to convince me that John was a bad dude, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't understand that. Cause I was like, even if they had different goals, he was invited to a band. Like he would think, the end goal unless stated otherwise is to be famous and not maybe not famous but have your art out there and grow it so especially especially if the first thing they have you do with the band is go to ireland and stay in a cabin to you know to record excuse me to, to record an album you know i think he did everything any other person would have done trying to support them yeah <clears throat> yeah so, i think there's an argument for the fact that the movie or at least i could see how it it could look like the movie's trying to paint you to the fact that john's a bad guy i don't necessarily think it's the movie so much as it's the characters themselves the movie spends time on characters themselves that think john think of john in a poor sense and then therefore it could seem like the movie's yeah. trying to project that on yeah but you. the hopeful that's a fair point but i don't even think there's a argument for the for like potentially because the movie's ending is the band being happy again and him walking away so that sure. objectively right there is them saying like he was toxic basically 
I don't think it's that he's toxic. It's that he didn't fit. He he didn't fit what their goal was because their goal at the end of the day wasn't about. You, you know, I, I do I get what you mean in the sense of like, oh, if the point of the band was to get your art out there and grow it, but it seems like outside of Frank, in terms of the original <coughs> band members without John, none of them cared at all about whether or not they were their art was out there and growing. It was just let's put our art out there and it doesn't really matter what happens because we're just happy to be in in this thing where we get to push ourselves and put our art out there so i think that's the big difference is that john wanted to put his art out there and see it grow and it's almost like they don't they just want to create with each other and put an art out there and to see what happens with it regardless of whether it goes anywhere or not yeah but so to me i viewed it less as the movie saying that john was toxic and more of the movie finally coming to the conclusion like you know what john wanted out of this is very different than what they wanted they were happy just being a band that did it for themselves i mean john wrote the best songs hey lady in a red coat what you doing with that bag (laughs) hey lady in a blue coat do you know the lady in the red coat (laughs) (laughs) i think the the opening scene is the best opening scene i've seen in a while i will say that it it surprised me because i like jumped when he started (laughs) screaming in his head (laughs) i don't mean to throw us off track but that's all i could think about for the last like five minutes when talking about john's like participation in the group (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah this is terrible songs Well, and there's this weird thing where it's like, again, you look at the movie and he talks about his compositions, but it sounds like from at least what the movie puts us in on, right, that he never actually finishes compositions. It's like he doesn't have any actually completed songs. And you could argue that that's partially because the other members come in and, um, you know, basically wash out what he's starting on to the point where he can never finish it. But he, it, the movie presented as that he's had this problem before he joined the band. So I don't know. I think it's a to some degree. It's like what Frank views of the group and his stuff, and then what John views of the group and his stuff, and how they're being used are a little different. Because I think John thinks of himself as a little bit more musically. I, I think he likes to project himself out there as more musically creative and talented than he actually feels on the inside. And I think you see that when he's so taken back by how. You know, he 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 views Frank as like this. Um, I'm trying to think of even the word. I don't want to say auteur because that's not really it. But it's like a prodigy. It's like it's someone who just sees it and makes it happen. And he looks like he's got this. He wants to ride Frank's coattails because he sees that Frank actually has the talent. He wants to try and build Frank up in a way where he can use that talent of Frank to ride his coattails into success for himself. And of course, the band themselves turn that and kind of tell him or specifically the drummer nana um she says you know you would have you would have drowned the keyboardist yourself just to get into this band and that was clearly like an extreme version but the reality is is that once you kind of see that look in his eye whenever he shows up at the bar the first time whenever he's supposed to fill in for the keyboardist and he sees frank clip the mic in and they start playing and he's kind of just looking he's like oh this is people creating something and then he sees frank and even though he's kind of wowed by him he still has that shimmer in his eye of like there's something about this guy and then you just kind of see that grow throughout the movie so i don't know i guess i just view it a little differently i'm not you're i don't think you're wrong either i think the movie clearly supports that view that you have of it um 
So, um, Blake, do you have anything on that? Um, no, not really. I think, like, honestly, not to be weird, but you kind of covered it all. <laughs> I pretty much agree. It happens. Yeah. Uh, so, what do we feel about the cast of characters outside of who they are? Just, you know, their craziness of who they are. Um, how did everybody feel about Don? I just didn't care about him. Like, Frank and John were the only two that I even cared anything about. Really? Yeah. You didn't have anything for Clara? I mean, she was, like, fine as an antagonist, I guess. But, like, I never, <laughs> like, really got invested in anybody but those two. Sure. And I think the movie kind of does that on purpose. I mean, Chris, do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't know. I liked Clara, but she was she was annoying. Because... I will agree with that. <laughs> she's basically the exact thing I'm talking about with my problems with the ending. Is she's just such a bitch. Yeah, she's like the epitome of what you're talking about realistically. I yeah. mean, th- almost every bit of it is carried on her. You know, we don't see the rest of the band seemingly... They just seem indifferent about him. Well, and that, Whereas she seems actively antagonistic against the him. The French guy yeah. didn't like him. He said he disgusts him. Yeah, I did but, like how yeah, he repeated it, though, <laughs> without knowing yeah. what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but still even then right it's he kind of just says it like hey i just want to let you know you disgust me and then it's kind of just done yeah like you know you don't see it as outwardly portrayed as we see clara have it yeah but go ahead, for Chris, sure. i'm sorry um no i don't know i just clara's entire character didn't make sense to me because they never explain who she is really they give you the stuff that she's not mentally ill apparently and <laughs> I think they all were <laughs> at least not clinically yeah but I don't know I guess she, my biggest problem with her is she's such a I'm going to use the word they use in the movie she's such a cunt and there's no reason yeah I do think it was missed character development but then later on in the movie she ends up fucking John so it's like <laughs> what is going on with you and that's the thing is yeah. they spent what seemed like it must have been two years together in that in that cabin right unless when he says we've been here for 11 months that counts before he started paying but i think so okay then they were there together for a year and not one person was like hey i we we don't really want to be like famous we just want to make music that's that's my thing and so they spent all this time he's like we'll make the album i'll pay to make the album and then the whole movie is about them not wanting to be famous i guess yeah. i just don't well, get I think it the, yeah i think the movie makes a good argument that in a lot of ways the bandmates are dicks because it's like they're just taking advantage of the fact that he's willing to pay even though none of them actually actively like him besides frank frank seems to like him genuinely yeah well frank's the only one who wanted him there exactly so when you look at the difference between those two i think it's fair it's a situation where they're taking advantage of this man and not being up front i do think the movie kind of uses that accent speak louder than words i don't think that john seemed like the kind of person who would just out front say like you know you're clearly in a band because you want to be famous and i think that the band was clearly trying to act in such a way where it's like oh we don't care what happens here this is just about making the art now yeah some communication would have been smart before agreeing to (laughs) give all of your money away but real quick let's go back to that clara sex scene um with with um clara and john and the reason i bring that up is because i think you're dead on the money about the fact that 
you see that happen and whenever that scene first happened and I'm watching the movie I was like okay this is where the movie shifts this is where we start to understand more about who Clara is and really understand where she's coming from and I guess the movie moves the needle just a hair towards you getting a little more understanding of her but it doesn't really move past that because even though it moved a little now it's just stuck there for seemingly the rest of the movie until the band leaves and then you kind of see a I I don't know a more reserved side of her because you only ever see her kind of just singing in the moment and not really saying much but it feels like the movie was intending to build towards her character in some way and then it was just cut like I it almost seems like they edited something out or they just wrote it in such a way that it seemed like it was building towards something and it just didn't yeah I can see that um how'd you feel about the whole clara thing uh blake because i view when it happened i was like there was so much tension between them that using it as sexual tension makes sense yeah it made sense but to me it kind of came out of nowhere because like with most movies when there's like sexual tension it's a very different kind of tension it is which the sex was kind of rough so it seemed like maybe it was just (laughs) anger sex which is like whatever but (laughs) so maybe it works we've been here for 11 months yeah so maybe it does work i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was hoping it was gonna let me see clara in a different light and then it just didn't um now going and moving forward to don don is just like i i agree with you that i wish the movie would have done a little bit more to make you care for him but i still kind of liked his place in this and the fact that he also was a talented musician you know he pulls out that really pretty song that he plays for john when john's kind of showing him what he's been working on and he's like yeah oh man we've all been there before you know you're just writing and shit just keeps coming out (laughs) but don's whole character and how frank and all these things tie together don was just fun like i wish he almost would have been throughout more of the movie because he was an interesting almost like a he wasn't the straight man but he was funny in such a way where it's not like he was being intentionally funny it was just the charm of the crazy stuff happening alongside him worked together in that moment yeah Uh, how'd you feel about don chris since you didn't care for clara much um i like don uh, I think the movie kind of failed his character a little bit because they don't really do much yeah. with him. And then he kills himself, and it's not a sad moment. At least it wasn't for me. You yeah, know? no. I laughed. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, the fact that he hung himself in Frank's clothing is, <laughs> is actually pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but coming into that, what was getting me is in that scene i was like i feel like i'm supposed to feel sad and there was like funny moments baked in right you know when they're putting him on the raft and you see them set down like a bow raft mannequin leg yeah. yeah that cracked me up but there was still like this seemingly oh there's supposed to be an overtone of sadness right here but the movie didn't quite earn it you're right exactly and that's i guess that's the truth about kind of going back to what blake said is that the movie really fails its characters besides John and Frank. And the interesting part about Frank is that it builds him up very mysteriously and kind of vaguely until the very end of the movie where we get a big kind of reveal as to why he is the way he is. And it's not even still crystal clear, but you get a little bit of an understanding of the kind of person he is and the kind of issues he's faced in the past. But I wish 
to some degree i think it's fair for the drummer and the bassist or whatever you want to call them the guitarist the nana and barack or whatever i think it's fair that they don't necessarily see as much character development because the movie doesn't spend much time on them they're almost as tertiary characters but i think there was a lot of reason to specifically build up clara don and frank uh, and they just completely missed the ball on on don and clara yeah sadly now they they get some moments out of them i'm not going to say none of those characters have moments that you kind of go oh yeah that was nice and that was touching and i cared about them and for a split second or hated them for this split second for the need in the moment but it just felt like they were really underutilized characters which brings me back to the i really wonder if this is an edit situation or if this was poor writing it's something that we'll probably know never know the answer to it's just more of a it feels like these scenes were shot with the intention that more was going to happen, which makes me think that there was writing for more and that for some reason on the editing floor, they just cut some scenes that may be completely, I don't say completely, but at least changed to a degree the way you feel about at least Clara. <laughs> um, but I don't know. So how'd you guys think about the, how'd you guys feel about the actual music in the movie? How'd you feel about Awful. the music they were playing? terrible music some of the worst atrocious i kind of like i both ironically and unironically liked it at different parts it just depended on which part of the movie we were on i could say the song at the ending i was like okay this isn't terrible and then clara started playing whatever fake instrument that was and it made the song worse because like before that when it was just the guitar and the drums and frank singing i was like oh this is kind of this kind of, this is kind of all right and it's then like she started making that weird yeah except <laughs> way worse but um once she started doing adding like the electronics to it i was like this sucks stop playing music <laughs> that, well there's that and i do think that i agree with you i thought that song was actually pretty good uh uh, I mean, I don't know. I didn't hate it when she started adding in. I guess I like electronic music to some degree uh, to where it didn't. Or I at least too, I have a I weird appreciation for um, for synthesizers. And I like the crazy stuff you can do with them. I love that she even played the theremin in the, in the movie to begin with. I thought that was such a strange instrument that matched how strange they as people were. Sure. Uh, but you know the song that Frank starts singing whenever he's talking to John about the, the little tuft on the carpet that's lifted up? Yeah. I thought that was like a genuinely I, I like I could see this being like an indie folk song. <laughs> yeah. I just I, I one thing I was expecting with the movie, you know, when you read the things about it, it's like, oh, this um you know, he's he meets this prodigy, this musical prodigy, and oh, okay. Here goes all these things. I guess I expected there to be like some really interesting music that made you feel that way. But in the long run, I did actually appreciate the way that they built John's adoration towards Frank was with small moments where John got to see him kind of take a small idea and turn it into something more. Instead of it just being that he heard songs that John or that Frank rather had written and then was like, Oh, this guy's a great writer. It was more like he saw it happen in real time. And we see that adulation for him kind of grow slowly, but steadily. Um, but going back to the characters, Frank here is a big thing. We have clearly mental illness with like Don loving to sleep with mannequins and the talks that come with that, like having to convince his girlfriends to sit really still. <laughs> His love song was great. 
his love it song. It was a still. it was a good song. It was. It's the weird part, but you as he was singing, I was like, oh, this is clearly about fucking mannequins. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Frank to go towards his weird thing. Uh, it's clearly an easy way to make like something that's iconic for the movie like where when you think about it you think about that damn face he's wearing the whole time but the way they actually work it in the film and how john's like sheer curiosity as to what's going on underneath it you almost have this thought that and john's mind is like is he just gorgeous is he hiding his gorgeous self from the world or is he hideously deformed or what is it um i just the the whole part where the mystery of you know not wanting to pull frank's head off the whole band and kind of John in that moment when they think he's hung himself. But the moment that they see Frank actually come in the door and it's obvious that it's not him. They immediately they just pull, pull the off. head off. Like no problem. Yeah. How did y'all feel about them trying like working that in and how it felt as both a comedic crutch or I won't say a crutch, but as a comedic element within the film and also a story element within the film. Um, Blake, I'm gonna start with you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I thought it worked pretty well. I don't know. Like I said, like, <laughs> Half this movie doesn't really work for me, and half of it really does. And I'm well. Explain what doesn't work, because I think that's going to be a better way to kind of figure out what. It, I mean, do you do you know what it is that doesn't work, or is it more of just a? Feeling? It's more of a feeling, honestly. Like, because there's nothing in this movie that I just straight out didn't like, right? Or thought that like didn't belong, I guess, or whatever. Like, it all made sense to the movie itself, but it just never clicked with me, like any of it, and. I'm even now, like, having a hard time just remembering, like, little things that happen. And, like, I paid attention. Like, I wasn't doing anything else. I didn't even take notes or anything. But I don't know. Like, it just, nothing stuck with me like a lot of movies do, I guess. No, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, just a little break the uh, the fourth wall of the podcast here, going into the reality of what we do on, on the back end. Uh, originally, I watched this movie Wednesday of last week. So I'm days removed from it. And I remember even when watching it, when we got done, I thought to myself, I almost wonder if I'm, if I'm going to need to watch this movie again before we record. And thankfully, as I was kind of getting off work today and thinking about whether I wanted to, I felt good enough about remembering the movie. And I think that giving it time has actually made my brain remember things that I wouldn't have. Um, so that works. But I will agree that, certain parts of the movie just don't really strike you and then other parts do like i think there's certain parts where i really remember them and they're very vividly in my mind but a lot of it comes down to how the visual elements came together with the story elements which came together with the audio in the moment like there's parts of the scene when they're making their crazy music where they're kind of just in my brain but then there are parts in the in-between that feel like they kind of fall through and they're not super memorable so i could see what you mean yeah uh chris do you feel like you share any of that sentiment with you know the movie not working for you hmm i think the movie worked for me for the most part like i said my biggest problem with the movie was everyone just being a fucking douchebag to john <laughs> so i i liked it this is actually you mentioned it earlier where you you didn't feel like you needed to watch it this is one of the few times in recent memory i can remember just like really being focused 100 percent on the movie which i think was part of my problem with it where i was like this none of this really works because 
everyone's being an asshole to him for no reason. But I, I did connect with the movie for at least the majority of it. Do you feel like part of what made you connect more with the movie was feeling sympathy towards John? Probably, yeah. But at the Hmm. same time, I also didn't really like John because he seemed to agree that he was the asshole. And I was like, dude, I don't... What are you talking about? Like, you didn't do anything. So when he would always go to people and be like, Frank, man, it was my fault. I ruined it. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I still kind of viewed that as seeing, like, John's insistence on making this work, even if it meant that he felt like he needed to suck up to Frank and kind of gain that position of trust. Like, oh, I want to tell Frank when when it's my fault, even if it's not really super my fault, just so I can kind of get in and build that trust with him and continue to push Frank. Because clearly we see him uncomfortably push Frank once when all the South by by So What stuff ends up coming on. it's our South by is it, which one is it? South by Southwest is what yes. this one was. Um, South by So What's stuff they do that's <laughs> for similar name purposes, of course, but I don't think it actually goes on anymore. But yeah, when you see all that kind of going on, there is that feeling of, oh, okay, yeah. And we're not necessarily told this, but you know, <laughs> we, the viewers, much like John, the way that the band is kind of shown to you and you hear Frank. You, know, you hear Don talk about his mental illness and you clearly know that Frank has some kind of mental illness. You're left to believe that Clara would. So I remember being just as surprised as John when he's like, what were you in for? And she's like, what? And he's like, well, you're crazy, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of did make me laugh because I'm like, yeah, up until this moment, I kind of thought she was too because the movie presents her as very intense. She's the and- craziest out of all of them. She reminds me. Have Have you guys seen Waiting? Yes. Oh, a thousand times. I can't remember. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember the the actual character's name in that. So you have to forgive me. It's been a little while. But uh, which character? The, 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 the character, the girl who the I guess the older lady who has to go out and be like super nice to her customers, but when she goes back to the back, <laughs> she's immediately cussing and yelling, Best and she's got like anger management. I think Amy. It made right? me think of those. Amy. No, uh, I think you're right. Fuck. I don't know. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Either way, yeah, no, but that character, you know, what the entire movie, I viewed Clara as that character when she's in the back of the restaurant and waiting. Like, she's just always on edge and just never lets any situation be normal. And and that's what Clara reminded me of. And clearly in that movie, she needs anger management. Like, she has anger control issues. So I was thinking, like, well, is that Clara's thing? And then for her to say she's not, I kind of lean towards the implication I got from Chris that I think she, uh, I think she might have something. It just may not have been diagnosed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I I can't think of too much more uh, in terms of the story itself. There's some little fun moments I think they found with the head. I guess one thing we didn't talk about is how they bring Frank together when you find Frank at his house and you see his parents and you start to understand how long this has been going on and that his father played into it. And it's part of why they got where they were and the kind of, I think the movie really sombers down for a second and kind of looks at mental illness for what it is and how it can affect people, how it can affect families and all the things that come together. And I think it even looks at how we as humans in John's case can sometimes use those things not necessarily knowingly 
but at the same time try to use them for our own gain or different sentiments that aren't necessarily fair to the people at hand um i really like the way that you kind of eventually get to see frank and even the kind of joke of the guy who's there to cut down the trees he just assumes (laughs) that that has to be frank because he's never seen the man yeah (laughs) yeah <laughs> but how did you guys feel about finally coming to that parent's house and kind of seeing Frank without his it's like the mask gave him confidence and all these other things and then all of that was like stripped away <clears throat> I, I thought that was a great moment for the movie to kind of shift its tone down yeah yeah no I agree I think I, it worked really well yeah, yeah I liked seeing him uh, as himself also my wife was watching it with me and said the same thing of like she would love for them to like pull the mask like pull the little face off and it be like the spongebob beautiful squidward (laughs) like he's just so gorgeous uh but at the same take michael fassbender is a good looking guy so yeah in a way the mask was hiding a beautiful man a good looking guy under there yes a gorgeous human being where i'm glad that the movie was self-aware enough to not be like oh he's always felt ugly and he's always felt like nobody likes him that kind of stuff because then you pull off the mask and it's michael fassbender you're like come the fuck on dude yeah yeah and outside of like the the markings on his face (laughs) where he's had the the helmet or the mask on for so long um he's still a good looking dude so i am glad the movie didn't like disconnect from the actor they chose to play it Mm -hmm. and just kind of be like oh he's always been ugly i really liked it it was just like a thing where it wasn't about anything other than a kid who had some kind of an issue that his parents didn't quite understand and tried to do their best to help him with. And it just didn't go the way that they would have otherwise hoped. Mm-hmm. And that was a cool moment. Also, really, I could give a shout out. Michael Fassbender, this is probably one of the most charming performances I've seen from Fassbender. And it's mm-hmm. such an odd movie, but it's, it's like such a charismatic and interesting <laughs> performance. Yeah, him uh, crying and singing at the end was a very good scene. Yeah, can we? Yeah, can we talk about what is my favorite scene of the movie? Go when for it. Um, he's showering, <laughs> and the spare mask is on the ground, and you see John like sneaking into the bathroom. <laughs> He rips open the curtain and he's got a plastic bag over another helmet. <laughs> you know what I really loved about that is that that scene was, I mean, it's clearly there to get a joke out of you yeah. and, or to get a joke out of it and make you kind of laugh at the, how crazy the situation <laughs> is. But it also does, it sets up the fact that he has more than one helmet so that whenever we see Frank, as we think it is, hanging in the tree, even though the movies told you that there's another mask, you immediately think it's Frank yeah and then whenever you find out it's not it kind of clicked with me like oh yeah he does have a backup mask so don just went in there and stole his other mask yeah, <laughs> yeah. i do real quick before we move on from the story the you know this the whole section where they're trying to become more likable oh and we have uh we have frank's most likable song yeah well yeah <laughs> that scene Coca-Cola. though is probably my second favorite of the movie after the opening I just love Frank being like, you should be famous. That's so likable. (laughs) 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 This song is so (laughs) likable. Just over and over. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was, and it's funny to me because in that scene, you get to see essentially the reverse of how John feels throughout the movie. Like John has all this adoration toward Frank 
And then in that moment, Frank has adoration towards John because John has almost kind of poisoned Frank's mind with the people want this. People want to see you and people want to experience your mind. And suddenly Frank's mindset's changed. It's not about let's just make great music. It's, oh, yeah, okay, we can absolutely just make something likable. Yeah. You should be famous. (laughs) And I half expected in that moment (laughs) for him to pull out like a really good song. Yeah. But I'm actually glad that his most likable song was just terrible. Yeah. Because clearly the guy knows music. So you'd think that if he just put his mind to it to make a likable song, he'd be able to. But it was so bad. Yeah, it was what. The is by far the worst song in the movie. Yeah, it's worse than normal yeah. trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So that's where I was going to get. I'm glad y'all are kind of bringing up the scenes. Uh, outside of that, <clears throat> just for joke purposes or whatever it be, were there any other just standout moments? Because with this movie being a dark comedy of sorts, were there any other just scenes within the movie that just are notable that made you laugh or stood out to one you? One that we haven't talked about, and the only one I can think of else like besides the ones we've talked about is um whenever what's his name is running like through the field at night and they're trying to and frank is trying to catch him with the shovel yeah and she throws <laughs> that fucking stick at him oh yeah and hits him in the head it's like boom <laughs> yeah yeah D- don is running. yeah don yeah yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the one with John and Frank. Frank's chasing with a shovel. He goes, it'll be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of those were good. Yeah. The chase scenes were great. <laughs> oh, man. I I don't um, know why it cracked me up so much, but you know when Frank uh, runs out of the hotel room and gets hit by the car? Yeah. And then John runs out after him and just stands <laughs> there looking at the mask and then gets hit yeah. by the car. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another one that's pretty good is the uh, spreading of the ashes. Yeah, in the desert. I mean, that's yeah, just so desert. played out, though. It is, but I thought it was funny, and then I had this idea of someone's gonna drink Don's ashes. Yeah, that happened. I was day. hoping that that's where they were gonna go with it, but at the same time, to Blake's point, that's kind of cliche. Yeah. Well, with the ashes uh, blowing in the wind on yourself, that was like the Big Lebowski. And I think that also happened in Due Date. But in Due Date, they also drank the ashes because he thought it was coffee. Yeah, which I mean... So Due Date had like both major cliches in there. Uh, Granted, I still laughed at both of them. But you can't can't not laugh at Zach Galifianakis. (laughs) Cliches can still work. That's the thing about them. It's just how you utilize them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's fair. But yeah, I, I thought the same thing whenever she was like, I was grown up. I, I thought that the basis was going to be like, oh no, I drank the ashes. <laughs> See, I just think of the poor person who's going to go stay at that place after them. It's like, oh, I'll take some grown up. And then it's just human ashes. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, like, fire is not that hot. So I don't know. Weird, but I don't know what grown up is, but. Like for the whole due date scene where they drink the ashes because he thinks it's coffee, it's like there's no way in hell you think ashes are coffee. Yeah, I think if you were like, oh, I thought it was like Ovaltine. I that's mean, like a more more reasonable. Right, like maybe something else, but and like maybe it looks like grown up. Maybe ashes. Maybe grown up's like gray. I don't mean I don't fucking know, but well, it looked enough like ashes. The grown up looked enough like ashes that he was spreading grown up you know, <laughs> until someone tasted it. None of them it. knew immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was though it did look a little yellow, right? He was throwing them and it was landing on them. I was like, that looks 
mildly yellow, like not strong, but it doesn't look like ashes. And so for a second, I was like, is this just bad budget? And then they're like, she puts it in her mouth. And I was like, oh, okay, I see where they're going with this. But it is what it is. Um, okay, well, I can't think of any other standout scenes. And I got to say, that's the weird thing about this movie. I, I think it's weird that Chris and I were a little on different things. I enjoyed the movie. I really did. But I did have that feeling while watching it. Like there was the occasional time I'd look down at my phone for a second and just kind of, which my wife was with me. Maybe it's that I didn't feel as in the zone as I otherwise would have. I don't know. She's not, she doesn't normally watch the movies with me. I will say this so, is, this was also a very long hour and a half. Yeah. It felt like three. I agree with that. Yes. I agree with that. And that might've been part of it too, is I think that this basic idea could have been cut. But, you know, it is what it is. So with that being said, I think we are done with this episode. Uh, so if you want to say anything else, speak now or forever hold your peas. I hate peas. I got to pee. Give me a second. Okay. Well, you're going to have to hold it. So sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Forever hold it. Yeah, forever. So thank you guys for joining me as always. If you guys want to go and yell at any of us for our opinions or talk to us about yours you can head over to twitter and find blake over at popes underscore blake underscore <coughs> nine two you can find chris at figz21k on twitter you can find me on the weekly playstation podcast twitter for triangle squared that's at triangle sqrd and if you want to hear me sometimes chris and also all the time saul talk about games head over there and listen to that show. We come out every Monday, and then once a month or so, Chris and I come out with a series called Spoiler Chats that I highly suggest you listen to. Our patrons can get early access to our episode on Near Automata right now, but it goes up on the following Fridays for everyone else. Much like if you want to support this show, you can get this show five days in advance from everyone else, as well as a thank you for supporting what we do. But last but certainly not least, we always want to thank our patrons and like a butthead. You skipped all of it. I don't have my patrons. There's well, you've like also skipped our ratings and the next movie. And oh, the oh God, with, you're right. <laughs> this podcast I, I was waiting for it. I it just never came. <laughs> right, now, Chris, I'll tell you right now. Do you want me to just redo the whole ending so you don't have to do anything other than just cut that out? Or do you want to have to cut and rearrange? I mean, I, I don't I, care either way. You can restart it if you want. I would have just left it the ratings after it so <laughs> i mean that's fine we'll, i would have we'll just left the, and, oh shit i don't care whatever you're more comfortable doing okay we're gonna do this <laughs> okay well thank you guys for joining us i guess before we end the show out we just need to do our ceremonial ratings for the movie so we're gonna keep it to where the host gives their rating last but chris have you made up your mind on whether this is a one-star movie <laughs> or a five-star movie. Or have you backed off of that and are going to land somewhere in the middle? I'm going to land somewhere in the middle. You I think it's a, a... Okay, fine. You want me to go with a five-star? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning towards the higher end. <laughs> I'm just messing uh, with you. No, I think it's like a four-star. Three and a half to four-star. Okay, but I think that's fair. Strong three and a half, light four. All right. <laughs> All right, well, Blake, that clearly brings us to you, buddy. All right, so I'm landing directly in the middle at two and a half because I liked the movie, but I didn't really like it, but also did not <laughs> like it. So I think two and a half is good because it's not a bad movie. Like, even if I didn't like it at all, like, it would still be a good movie, just not for me. Sure. So I think two and a half is yeah. fair. 
Yeah, you know, one thing I think we should start doing, and this is a good one, Chris, do you think you would ever, not that it matters to necessarily your rating, but do you think you'd ever rewatch this movie? Yes, but only on mushrooms. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> See it in a very different sense. I'd rather watch Tune it. in for the stream where Chris gets mushrooms whenever he moves down here and we rewatch this movie live stream. Right, Brett, if you eat mushrooms, I will suck your dick. <laughs> you because you don't even drink more. beer, dude. <laughs> You're gonna eat mushrooms. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving that start, in the you show. Gotta start somewhere. I don't care. Leave it. <laughs> you can go full on fucking tripping, dude. You've never even been drunk. <laughs> hey, this this goes. This is contractual. Just want that to be said. <laughs> Brad, you think okay. I can't get it? <laughs> oh, okay, now. Here goes our other question. I guess it comes down to you. You gave it a two and a half. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever watch this movie? Never. Again? Sounds like the answer no. is no. Yeah. I mean, there might be like okay. in 15 years. I'm like, oh, you know what? I kind of liked that movie. Maybe I'll give it another shot. So I won't say never, but I, I will say most likely not. I know when you're going to come. You're, you're going you're gonna to do it whenever we come and do it on shrooms because you're going to have to be here to suck my dick <laughs> once I do it. I will watch this movie just to be able to eat shrooms again. <laughs> Anything for shrooms, What I want baby. you to do is while while we're watching the movie and I'm tripping on shrooms, you got to suck my dick. <laughs> Good uh, Okay, jokes aside, um, I'm leaning with Chris. I, even though I really like the movie, the fact that for whatever reason, which could change on a rewatch, I think that there's a, a time where I could rewatch this movie i'd wait for a while um or until we get shrooms <laughs> but, i've got better movies we could watch on shrooms to be fair <laughs> yeah is it like wizard of oz or some shit no that wasn't my idea but that would is be that cool. what you want to do for your first time on shrooms is play uh dark side of the <laughs> moon and yeah. watch, <laughs> watch dude what was it of us we did it while we tripped acid and it fucking it blew my fucking mind like that's the first time i'd yeah, ever it seen it too it's ridiculous it's insane how fucking yeah. perfect it is Yep. It's madness. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Brett. Sorry. What's your rating? <laughs> madness. My, my rating is much like Chris. I'm going to give it a a soft four. I got, I'm got. i okay with giving it a four, but I'm not just like, oh, it's a super solid four. Yeah, it's so, like 3.75. Yeah, I wonder if I watched it in isolation next time. Like if I really just put it to where it's just me in the movie and my wife's not there and I don't, you know, she's on her phone, which makes me more likely to occasionally get on my phone. Those little things. I could see myself maybe liking it and giving it like a solid or a strong four. But for now, <laughs> I'm okay with just landing on a soft four. I didn't know it was a flaccid four. I didn't know you were going with the whole flaccid she was on her phone, four. so I'd be on mine. And I was like, do you just hate everything you do with your wife? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think that whenever you have someone in there, definitely because typically when we do movies for this, I'm watching them completely by myself yeah no i know what you and mean just in a room away so it feels very different when there's someone there and sometimes it works for like family movies but this is clearly not like a family movie <laughs> so is what it is uh but we are going to be doing another movie next week as is normal and i think that chris has <laughs> wait we are we're just i wasn't not prepared week, <laughs> we're doing the same movie again next week yeah on shrooms <laughs> That would actually be a very funny po- concept for a podcast is one week they watch it normal, the next week they watch it on shrooms and reconvene. <laughs> Dude, I would be I would so listen down. To that show. I would listen to that show. I feel like you'd be doing shrooms way too often. Oh, no. <laughs> what the you fuck can't do them too often. 
It comes out of the ground. It's a fucking plant. It, hey, <laughs> listen, all I'm going to say it's is I plant. have no experience with them, but my brother the other day said that he doesn't even really like doing them very often anymore because the last time he did it, he felt like he wasn't supposed to be there and that the spirits were telling him, like, you know, get out, and he was having crazy uh, things happen. If you do them a lot, you're the, bound to have a bad trip here and there. The only time I've ever done it, I felt like I was just extremely high on weed, and I watched a lot of the anime Slam Dunk so we watched Kendrick Lamar's no, cartoons no. and cereal like 15 times in a row. <laughs> that video is fucking wild. <laughs> is. All right, Chris, buddy, what's our movie for next week? Uh, see, I've been having a debate on what kind of movie I want to pick, but foreigner anime. No, I, I'm trying to decide if I want to keep trying to get the five star streak. Cause I'm at what? Three of everyone You've been going for strong stars. for a while. I have been going real strong. You know what? I've never seen it. Uh, Fred, the movie. <laughs> I've actually heard it's It's so bad. good. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen the sequels, and I hated his YouTube channel, but my friend brought the DVD over, like, I don't know, like 12, 13, like right after high school, right before high school ended. And yeah. we watched it like four times. More people than I would have ever expected. It's so yeah. good. It's so stupid and awful and amazing, yeah. and it's so funny. A movie that surprised the hell out of me, which I did enjoy their YouTube channel, but not just like a ton. The Smosh movie was surprisingly good. I'm not even sure who that is, honestly. You never, you don't know who Smosh is? I don't think so. That's like old well, okay, YouTube then. with like Niga Higa. No. That might have been before I hopped on oh YouTube like that. God. I didn't get... You don't know Pokemon, Pokemon IRL? The only, po- the only YouTube stuff I watched was like anything that went viral. Like, honestly, like I wasn't big oh, okay, on YouTube. So ben Shapiro. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going with anime. I'm making Blake watch one. And we, we are going to watch, finally, Grave of the Fireflies. I've been wanting to watch this forever. Oh, wait a minute. Is this the movie I think it is? It could be. <laughs> what the fuck I'm, are you I'm, thinking? I'm, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to look real quick. <laughs> This is the one that's based after the bombing in Japan, correct? Yes, it's supposed to be devastating. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I've seen the scene where the bomb falls well, okay. and you start to Oh. <laughs> dude. Yeah, no. It's, First of it's all, really be. good animation too. Like really interesting yeah. takes on how they choose to animate these things. So I'm going to yeah, cool. I'm really excited. I'm going to put it I hope so. <laughs> no, I am. I'm just going to keep picking you. them until you uh until you find one, until you like it. You're going to pick them, and then one day I'm just going to be like, dude, I watched like 94 seasons of fucking One Punch Man yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I watched all of One Piece. Yeah, whatever the one that has so many seasons is. I knew it was One Something. I like how you said One Punch Man. I'm pretty sure that show has had a single season. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Um, Well, he only punched once, so it was like one episode probably. It is uh, streaming on Hulu. And you can't find it on any other streaming service. You couldn't even buy it on Amazon. I bought it physically. Oh, really? So it's uh, only on Hulu. Yeah, it's only on Hulu. Is it through a subscription watch, on Hulu though? It is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I no, no, no. I don't think so. Okay, so it's just straight Hulu. I only have. Yeah, I only okay. have Hulu, and it's working. Okay. I'm gonna watch the sub. So there's a sub and dub up there, but I don't, I don't watch subs or dubs. So. Yeah, I just remember, I just was asking because I think it was like really early on in the podcast, we said it was on Hulu, but it was actually like Showtime through Hulu or some dumbass shit like that. Yeah. 
No, I just checked. Um, okay. It's playing, and I don't have any subs on my Hulu account, so. Sweet. We are Gucci for that. All right. Cool. I'm excited All to right. hear you guys' th- thoughts. I need to find one anime or I guess animated movie Blake likes. I'm sure it won't all be anime. I like some anime. I'm gonna tell movies. you right now though, Blake. If you come in here next week with some bullshit <laughs> and this movie ends up being absolute fire, I, I don't Look, know. I'm telling you, Chris and I were going in pretty hard on you on the Spider-Man episode. I'm, yeah, we were. I listened to like half of it. I know. I'm gonna finish it. <laughs> I was just crying because y'all were so mean, so I couldn't finish it that day. Well, I just uh, I didn't <laughs> want to hear any of Blake's bullshit, and I maintain that I don't want to hear any of your bullshit. I fucking like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I don't know why y'all are so mad. Not it's enough. just not a five. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is objectively a, a five. Spot. Yeah. I. All right, well, if you want to hear more of Blake's bad takes, head over to his Twitter, (laughs) which is at Popest underscore Blake underscore 92. You can find Chris and applaud him for his fantastic takes um, at F-I-G-Z-2-1-K. You can find me and yell at me for being mean and or nice to these people, depending on which ones you like, at the weekly podcast Twitter for our weekly PlayStation podcast, which is at Triangle SQRD. If you want to go and check out Triangle Squared, Chris sometimes joins me for our side series. We're um, going to do that Red Dead one day. Spoiler. No, we're not. Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> I joke. I, I wouldn't mind giving some time and coming back to it. I, I would love Blake, for that. If you joined, I would, if you, if you could like fly down here and join me in the studio, I would do it with you. I'll, I'll do it. We'll do it one day. I, for sure i'm not gonna play red dead again because i will absolutely so. replay we should, we'll have if i'm flying down there though we're gonna have to do a joint on red dead one and two. Oh, okay that's all that's oh, a that's, commitment i'm just if i'm paying <laughs> like hard. hundreds of dollars to get there <laughs> i get my fucking money's worth <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna make you play <laughs> even though you've quit it twice <laughs> you will play it but if you want to go check that out and hear us talk about games you can there's a weekly podcast where we talk about game news with playstation but also with xbox and nintendo and how those things kind of all come together we are an open platform we don't care what you play and lastly if you want to support the show and get early access like you can for spoiler chats for near automata or for episodes of the show mm-hmm. five days in advance you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and support us directly like our friends Patreon. rob warp point have done Patreon. of course we have josh drago Patreon. kyle grimm josh jarrell matthew green Patreon. my name is dan Patreon. luke bartolomeo sean santarude funk turkey danny villiobos Corey hickerson Patreon. blake popes Patreon. kevin bacon bits Mark Schutz, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figgs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Jason Slim Denning, and Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> that was a really good job, Brett. <laughs> I fucking hate you guys.
Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm. <laughs>